Hi, this is Jeff Richards, Columbus, Ohio. You're listening to Barbecue Central. Start the game! Let's go! We'll do it live. Okay. Well, do it live! I can, I'll write it and we'll do it live! So to get that perfect barbecue, you use wood. Are you sure it's safe? Whatever. We put the lighter fluid on, strike the match, and... Should we call the fire department? That might be a good idea. Let's see if I remember how to do this. Greetings and welcome to the Barbecue Central Show. This is a show that talks about all things important in the world of barbecue and grilling. Originating from the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame city of Cleveland, Ohio. The barbecue capital of the North Coast. I am your program host, Greg Rempe. Remember me? Happy to have you aboard here on your Tuesday. If you've been saving up comments over the last two weeks, and believe me, we're going to dive into that. And you would like to volley into the show and weigh in, here's how you do that. You can get in touch with the show by calling 216-220-0966. Email Greg at the BBQCentralShow.com. On the Twitter and Instagram, said BBQ Central Show. Anything else you want to find out about the show can be found at the main website, thebbqcentralshow.com. And here's what's happening. In case you didn't get the newsletter coming up in about 13 minutes from now, he is a bona fide, well-respected, and one of my favorite food bloggers to follow, at least over the last 10 years. He's been on the show a number of times, uh, was on handful of months ago, but he's coming back here as we break in the new set and the new studio here in the new digs. Mike Lang from Another Pint Please will be joining me, anotherpintplease.com, his website. You can also follow him on Instagram where he does a lot of posting. We'll be talking about some things that he has on Instagram and we'll be talking a lot about steak because I wanted to ask all of my guests this evening about their steak cooking methods and all that good stuff. So Mike Lang at the first interview segment in the first hour, and then in the second interview, or 35 past, I'm going to hold the ever-popular open segment. So if you have questions, if you want phone calls, if you're going to send emails, all of this, go ahead and wait about a half an hour and then start lobbing them in. I will cover it all. If you have nothing to add to that conversation, I'm here to fill that second interview gap. We'll talk all about what happened last week. We'll talk about the move. We'll talk about how the new set is taking shape or the new studio is taking shape. We're going to be talking about a lot of items. Would love to have you participate. So it's up to you if you want to jump in, but that's 35 past the hour. And then we will move to the second hour. It is the fourth Tuesday of the month, and you know what that means. We refire the Embedded Correspondent segment, and we have a new Embedded Correspondent. If you don't follow me socially, which I'll give you that information here in a second, you would know that a two-time guest on this show by the name of Rusty Monson, the pitmaster of Salt Lake Barbecue, 
is a latest and greatest add to the embedded correspondence team of the two long standbys, Doug Scheiding, the longest running embedded correspondent on the show, and John Solberg, who is now the second longest running embedded correspondent on the show. By the way, Rusty having his first embedded correspondent appearance also garners the title third longest running correspondent of the show. You know what? That's wrong. It's totally incorrect. I'm sorry. He's not the third longest running. Jeff Rice is the third longest running. Fourth longest now is Rusty Monson. So I'll be interested in having Rusty join us here as we start to fold in some new blood. And Rusty brings a unique perspective, and that's why I asked him to consider jumping on board this mothership. And that's the fact that he is, you know, not a jaded vet to the competition scene by any stretch of the imagination, but he is um, not a green person. He's right in that uh, wheelhouse of really eager barbecue competitor, and he's not just doing barbecue competitions. He's also doing steak and other stuff. And he hosts his own show with the Anthony Lujan of Smoke Ain't No Joke Barbecue. So he's got a lot of irons in the fire, and he's bringing a lot of good energy, got a lot of good takes uh, to get on the embedded correspondence. I need people that, A, can talk decently and uh, aren't afraid to let it fly, as it were, and can bring a good round experience to the table. I'm really good at moderating folks, but the guests are really good at their respective areas of expertise and the knowledge bases that they're bringing so I'm very excited to have Rusty join us in the second hour on the fourth Tuesday of every month. I do have the social media Facebook thing running, so I can see the comments. For instance, Brian Scott Shank is saying that COVID is fake news. I don't think it's fake, Brian. But if it's fake news to you, then hey, who am I to argue? Mike Schilling, just interview Blaine on Hour 2. He's already on, and he can speak to the COVID judging status. Is COVID running rampant through judging tents? Doug Durda is in. We love Doug. He's from Pittsburgh. We want to hold that against him. He's very, very excited to be back amongst the fold. Uh, somebody wants to know if I'm wearing eyeliner. I'm not wearing anything. In fact, as we take a look at the new studio, a lot of you might wonder where the woodwork has gone. Uh, that, Believe it or not, that wasn't a real wood backdrop that I had in the old house. That was a green screen that I was making use of, believe it or not. Uh, this background is not a green screen at all. This is a, um, this is a uh, uh, what do you call it? A, a fabric backdrop. Watch this. See, I can hit it. It moves. It's great. So... I decided to give a traditional background a shot, uh, maybe do away. So this is what my hair really looks like outside of the green screen artifact where some folks said I had a chrome sideburn or uh, platinum, I think, was the one that we were also throwing around. The brick won't hurt me in case I fall backwards and shock at some answers that I might be getting from Mike Lang or the embedded correspondence here in the show. I'll just fall right back through it. No, but, I mean, I might hit the real poured cement wall that's behind me that's holding the house up you know a few changes a little bit bigger space you might hear a little room ambiance which i'm going to try and figure out how to 
get killed off here. But that just might be my ears and nobody else. And Sean McCulligan says, uh, LMAO, no more missing shoulder or hand. That's right, because we had to tighten the shot in so I could reach out. I mean, now my arm is gone, of course, but usually before it was like, you know, gone out here. It looked really weird. So I had to stay in the shot. Uh, we're getting a little out of hand here, a little in the weeds. We'll share that for the opening or for the open segment that's coming up 35 past. Don't forget, you can follow me socially at BBQ Central Show on Instagram, Twitter, and Snapchat and TikTok. You can also follow me on Facebook slash BBQ Central Show, where you will find a video feed here. And I am following the chat right along because VMix does have that. Jeff Rice is also in, saying that I look great. Thank you, Jeff, for noticing. Feeling good. Feeling good, Lewis. Anybody name that movie? Another pint, please, is weighing in. He's really excited. I can see him in the green room already. He's looking very dapper. So we're going to get to him here in a few minutes. Uh, how many of you are subscribing to Stephen Reichland's weekly newsletter over at barbecuebible.com? It comes out each Tuesday. This week's edition I found interesting. Most, if not all of us, are doing some kind of smoking. Also, we're very familiar with brazing, but this newsletter married both of those processes up in something entitled smoke brazing. So first question is, are you currently doing this? I would venture a guess that indeed most of you, if not all of you, are doing it and perhaps you didn't even notice it, especially competition folks. Probably some of the first to really take this method and run with it, give their hot and fast method of cooking. A lot of folks seem to think that that's brazing. Now we can stick an official name to it called smoke brazing. In fact, I have breaking news here right now. Tomorrow, I am going to start the NSBA, the National Smoke Brazing Association. (laughs) Membership is only $700 a year. It really gets you nothing And you have to be a member in order to compete in the National Smoke Brazing Association events. And there will be plenty of those happening over the course of the year, believe me. So if you want to get on the ground floor of this National Smoke Brazing Association, I'm going to be launching the website tomorrow. And again, for a nominal fee of $700 a year, not lifetime, a year. I got to generate some profit. I'll be the new SCA. Remember this date. You'll be like, hey, remember when the NSBA launched? Best day ever. That'll be Wednesday, July 29th. Mike Lang is coming up out of the break. I'll talk to you quickly about the World Food Championships. That's right. Some of my food sport friends from the World Food Championships have partnered with Walmart to launch the Walmart Cooking Challenge They're challenging foodies to a fun contest where 40 people across the country can win $250 Walmart gift cards. 40 of you can win that. So here's how it goes. Four talented Walmart chefs have created delicious, customizable recipes. Videos for inspiration. The tutorials even allow you to make substitutions while cooking with them virtually. Why not? Get all of your ingredients at the Walmart while you're doing it. You can check out all the contest rules and how to enter over at walmart.com slash cooking challenge. Now, you got to get on your horse at this point. We've been off for two weeks. 
I've mentioned it through social media, but if you're just tuning in for the first time and you're one of those competitive cook type folks and you want a chance to win a $250 Walmart gift card and who doesn't, go to walmart.com slash cooking challenge and then get to cooking because the contest ends at 11.59 p.m. Eastern on July 31st. So it's only a few short days away. But get in on it for your chance to win 250 bucks in a form of a Walmart gift card. Again, it's walmart.com slash cooking challenge. Mike Lang from Another Pint, please, will be joining us here in just a few moments. So you stick around, and we'll be right back. That was not supposed to happen, but this was. There we go. We'll be right back. Broadcasting live from the Barbecue Central Show Studios in Cleveland, Ohio. You're listening to the Barbecue Central Show. Once again, here's your host, Greg Rempey. All right, welcome back. This portion of the show is being brought to you by Butcher's Barbecue. Makers of award-winning injections, marinades, rubs, and seasonings, barbecue sauces, grilling oils. All of Butcher Barbecue products have been tested on the competition circuit as well as backyards worldwide. Be the pitmaster of your neighborhood and visit butcherbbq.com to stock up now. Always trust your butcher. In fact, go listen to his latest podcast episode. Really interesting stuff with his label manufacturer. So if you got a rubber or a sauce or whatever, looking for a label guy, a lot of good info there on the latest edition of the Butcher Barbecue podcast. My next guest, one of the most respected live fire bloggers out there today, loves cooking on his fleet of Weber cookers, and we race to the hotline and welcome back friend of the show. I can find my cursor, Mike Lang. Hey, Mike. Hey, Greg. How are you? I am absolutely fabulous. Appreciate you making time for the show as always. And let me ask you right off the bat, not barbecue or grilling related, are you a runner? I what? In air quotes, maybe. I get out and move because I'm getting older and uh, I try to do something every week to keep myself somewhat able to eat all the meat that I grill. So what are you up to? What's your routine? Oh my gosh. You know, I actually, I did a strong lifts for a long time uh, just because that? of work demand. What are, what are strong lifts? Uh, essentially full body weightlifting. Oh. Um, you know, I, it's, work-wise, I am getting older yeah. and none of us are getting younger. And obviously I like to eat. So I've always tried to do something. So I just mentally, I decided to start running again. I hadn't done it in forever. Uh, now I'm back just running three times a week, you know, 35 to 45 minutes, you know, three to four miles uh, when so I'm lucky. I'm okay. So I'm, uh, I'm going to, I'm, I'm uh, beating around the bush here. Cause I was wondering if you were running, what's your best 5k? Oh my God. Like right now, not, Maybe. you know, Mike Lang, 18 years old, but current age, Mike Lang, what's your best 5K? <laughs> Spelt Mike Lang at a buck oh five. Yeah. Uh, you know, I'm lucky now at 48 to get under 25 minutes. So really? That's, that's, a land speed that's pretty good. It's pretty uh, good. I, I'll, I'll take it. I'll take it. 45, you said? Uh, under 25 minutes at 48 years of age. Oh, you're 48. Okay. I thought you said you were 45. All right. Yeah, no, that's really good. Yeah. So I've been running a 5k. So, um, why we're going to diverge here. Uh, and I apologize (laughs) to everybody listening, but I had started running. It's, I guess, going on a couple of years now. My wife was on me about, uh, you know, family heart disease and you should Mm. make sure you're exercising your heart. And I 
always said, well, I'm just not going to do it because I'm not going to tell you I'm going to do it, but because uh, I'm just not going to do it, so I'm just not going to do it. But then I decided uh, when we got the new cat that was waking me up at 4.30 in the morning a couple years ago that I would start running since I'm up at 4.30. So that's where the whole thing started. And I started ramping up four miles, five miles, six miles, mm-hmm. and I talked to my sister-in-law, and I told her one day what I was running, and she said, why are you, are you training for a half or a full marathon? I said, no, I just figure that you know, every couple of weeks I just ramp it up and I'm be healthier. Yeah. And she said, well, yeah, she's in the uh, pretty esteemed medical professional. And she mm-hmm. said, you know, there's proof that shows that you're not getting any more cardiovascular benefit past a 5K. And that's all I needed to hear. So I immediately dropped from <laughs> five or six miles all the way down to the 5K. And that's what I'm running three days a week, sometimes four and I'm to the point now where I can run it uh, consistently at 23.15. So oh, that's great. It's not, uh, again, not any land speed. When I really want to make myself feel bad, I ask one of my daughter's uh, track running uh, man pals. And they run it in like 19 minutes. I mean, it's, it's insane. Oh. I mean, it's, you know, it feels, I feel so good when I get off the treadmill and I talk to them and I'm like, I'm never going to get there. Like, why? No. Why Bob? Can you imagine a sub six minute mile? No. I'm like, no, not at all. Nothing. No, no way. I mean, I but ran. You a, obviously enjoy it. Um, no. I mean, I hate every minute of it, three days a week. <laughs> but I don't know too much else I can do to to keep exercise. Anyway, uh, we've uh, gone way off course here, so let's try and steer it back on. Um, so I like watching you and following you, and you're obviously a big technical guy. Do you have a most memorable technical failure that you would like to share with us? Oh, my gosh. Well, I tell you what, any time or any morning, my uh, Hue lights and other connected devices go off at 3 o'clock for no reason. AM, <laughs> which happened last week. I'm like, oh, my God. It went off twice. And I consider myself pretty tech savvy, and yeah. I've got things set up to come on at sunrise and go off. Or I'm sorry, come on, it's uh, sunset and off at sunrise. But sometimes uh, the uh, tech gods don't align and weird things like that happen. And it's just like a, a quick run of energy or something and boom, they're on. And it's. Uh... I, I really think it's a couple of things, probably a power surge. And then whatever the reset state is for a lot of these devices, I've got to probably double check that. But you know, there's no more rude awakening than, you know, three o'clock and all your lights come back on. Yes. And wondering how the hell did <laughs> it happen? I would imagine that can be a little fearful for uh, some that are in the house as well. Uh, all right, so that's a good one. Uh, mine was last week when the computer fried, but I'll get into that more next segment. Oh, that's right, yeah. Tonight's general question for guests is favorite ways to cook steak. So you're the first guest tonight. Before we get into mm. method, do you have a favorite cut if given your druthers? Always a bone-in ribeye. Always? On. Always. It is mm. what I always go to. Everything else I consider a crapshoot. Sometimes I can be pleasantly surprised by a strip or uh, intrigued by a fillet or off the beaten path, let's say uh, a hanger skirt or um, a skirt steak. But man, time in and time out, bone and ribeye. Mm, well, I have been a ribeye in general guy for any number of years. Uh, I'm not a huge bone in guy because again, it's bone and paying for weight and you're not eating the bone, mm-hmm. blah, blah, blah. Um, but I've mm, is soured the right word. I don't know. Maybe a little bit. I think I've soured a little bit on the ribeye because there seems to be quite a lot of fat going around in those cuts. And I don't know if I'm getting more frugal in my advanced ages here or what, but 
I reverted back on, I think, necessity to get a strip steak. And I got to tell you, it was like falling in love all over again with a strip steak. It had uh, a more pronounced chew, not tough, but a little bit different chew. The flavor was Mm -hmm. great. I could eat it from front to back. And there was like hardly any waste. This one didn't have that weird tendon that sometimes you get in the strip steak. Um, mm-hmm. I, I know a couple really good butchers that will uh, harvest that out for me. And I think I'm back in love with strip steak 100%. So much so that even if the family is requesting ribeyes, I will go out on my own and buy my own strip steak and eat it. Have you, really? have you you've never fallen fancy to the strip? You know, I have it, which is funny why when I was describing what I still like, every once in a while, a strip has surprised me. I had one a few weeks ago with some guys, and it came from a local butcher. So it wasn't like from a, a big grocery store or anything. It was locally sourced, and it was really good and so tender. I didn't need a knife after the initial cut. Just mm. take one slice and eat it. And that's what got me thinking. Yeah, sometimes I can sway off of that. But more often than not, um, I backed the ribeye. But yeah, I can be surprised and strip when it's right. It could be very good. Oh, yeah. No doubt about it. Uh, We're talking with Mike Lang from Another Pint, Please. So what factors, or I guess, uh, let me back out just for one second. What's your preferred method of cooking steaks? I didn't, you know, five or six or maybe ten years ago, there seemed to be only one method of cooking steak. And over the years, as we've evolved and become more popular in the backyard here and live fire, Mm -hmm. now there's methods that we can employ. So what's your favorite method? You know, I am still the purest. If I've got about a, a one inch, inch and a quarter, inch and a half ribeye, I'm going to still do it over direct heat on a charcoal kettle, uh, you know, 500 plus degrees Fahrenheit, two minutes, two minutes, flip, two minutes, two minutes, take it to 125, pull it and go. Um, that's just my preferred way of doing it. I've done everything from sous vide to reverse sear, but there's something about that, you know, I want those grill marks, like the flavor's not always there like a cast iron skillet but it looks good it looks traditional i'm looking from a photography sense as well too and it's going to shoot well and it's going to taste good Uh, how intricate are you with seasonings i have always done what i call uh, salt and pepper in a third so always a lot of salt some freshly cracked black pepper but then something else to kind of add something to what's going on a lot of times i would shoot for paprika or maybe i would go for granulated garlic or more uh chipotle uh, ground chipotle pepper powder something like that that would add a little bit more depth to it but nonetheless the meat's got to shine the meat's really the hero of what you're eating from a pepper standpoint i've always heard that you don't want to put the pepper on up front because it has a tendency to burn you could perhaps lend yourself to an acrid flavor profile. I would assume since you're doing it, you're not necessarily experiencing that. No. And I probably don't put on, I mean, we're not talking a totally blackened piece of meat. Um, It's just enough that you know that it's there. Uh, And certainly not enough that I've noticed some sort of great change in flavor profile from the beginning to the end. More often than not, you're going to get that because you've not trimmed enough fat off your steak. And you're going to be tasting and eating that, which I'm like, trim the meat. That's a fast cook. The fat's not going to render. Cook it hot, cook it fast, uh, and that'll be much better in the, in the end. All right. Uh, so uh, outside of uh, the method of cooking steak, the most recent ask all guests this question was about resting the steak after cooking. Now, I think it's safe mm. to say that there are a few instances, or I'm sorry, there are few instances where you would take the steak right off the grill and within 30 seconds you're cutting into it and stuffing it in your face. So there's some built-in rest time. So the better question might be this. 
are you resting a steak for a specific amount of time or is it just from the grill to the table collecting whatever else from a sides thing that you have going on and then get to the table and eat? For me, it's kind of backwards because my rest time is the amount of time it takes me to photograph it when it's plated. It seems so rare anymore that I'm actually cooking something and then is going to eat it, but I'm actually taking pictures, which totally changed the dynamic. Mm. But when I do, it's probably only a couple minutes. I think it was Meathead recently that had that article in terms of rest and what that really does for a smaller cut. I hadn't given it much thought, but what he said really resonated. And I understand that from the mass standpoint of a large thing like a pork shoulder cooked low and slow for a long amount of time versus a, a steak cooked for maybe no more than four to five or five to six minutes. Um, but for me, it's a longer rest by design, but when planning it only a few minutes. Mm. So percentage wise, when you're eating, are you, are you never not taking pictures of food? Like I, there are some times when I know that this coming weekend, I'm going to make an effort to take pictures on the phone or use my mm-hmm. good camera and uh, they will eventually make it to social media, but I'm planning that out in advance. Most of the time I'm doing like on the fly shots or, oh, this just happens to all line up. It looks like it's going to make a good shot. So I'll take a picture, throw it up on Instagram or Facebook or both or whatever, Twitter. Are you always shooting? And then the reverse for you is how it is for me. You're always shooting. And then it's rare that you will actually just have a normal meal. (laughs) I am. I I, I, I clamor for a normal meal. Does your family like that? No, it's horrible. It's a horrible addiction. I'm like, it never fails. I go, okay, listen, I'm just gonna make dinner. And then I start getting into it. And it's, it's summertime here in Ohio. And the lights just right. And the smokes come off the grill just right. I go, I need my camera. Mm. So I may even ditch the phone, go in real fast, set something up and shoot it. Um, for me, it's always capturing that creativity in the moment. And I'm always looking for that moment. And I don't care what I've got planned. If I see it, I'm going to grab it. Mm. But yes, I long for a meal where i do not take photographs i simply cook it and enjoy it do the kids and i will do it are the kids like hey dad i mean it doesn't always have to be a photo shoot with the food or do they just buy Uh, into the fact that this is your deal and they've accepted whether well it's funny oh my grown adult son now just shifts the eye and knows what i have to do uh and friends and family have, have accepted it thankfully but i think in their hearts they probably wish i would just lay off and make dinner on time and warm versus you know a little bit late but well photographed right because i mean they would make great competition judges because they're used to eating about lukewarm food <laughs> completely oh yeah never fails they all know you got to feed the blog as i used to always say back in the day and that really holds true today uh you have those magical moments and things come together and i'm gonna capture it so it is it is what it is just to tie up the resting portion had you ever done any investigating work on your own especially when you had that blog uh really blogging versus uh, more picture taking and so forth where you would say do a a 10 minute rest on purpose on a steak maybe use that as a benchmark and then uh, pull it back a little bit or extend it out more to see which is giving you the best end result you know, ironically, no. And I look back and there are a lot of things I kind of wish I had more time to actually delve into. For me, a rest was always important in a way of hoping that as that meat relaxed, a lot of that uh, the juice would come out would be reabsorbed into it as the heat equilibrized because that way I wasn't having to worry about mopping up extra juice or anything uh, from the steak when it was plated. Uh, but that's never really held true, which tells me I should have probably experimented more with it and may have uh, been hurting myself in the long run. Hmm. Mike Lang joining us here on the show. You have a pretty, um, wait, 
I saw you. Here's here's the question I wanted to ask before I get to the other question. I saw you do some work with a cut that hasn't made it on my radar yet until I saw it in your feed. And this thing called a ball tip roast. What's a ball tip yeah. roast? And how did you find out about that? Uh, interesting story. A good friend of mine owns a high-end uh, wine and meat shop. And we've got a new uh, restaurant depot here in Dayton, mm. which is basically it's a membership restaurant for uh, restaurants that can go to and buy meat and wholesale. Yeah. And he had picked up this ball tip roast and all excited about it. I'd never heard of it before. I took a photograph of it and I've got a membership there. Went and grabbed one. In essence, it comes from the bottom sirloin and it's made up of three muscles, very lean. So you can either cook it whole like a roast or if you wanted to cut it into steaks uh, my buddy had marinated it over a night, and I'm always kind of hit and miss on marinades, but I just took it and uh, and, and grilled it uh, like a typical roast, and it was fantastic. Uh, you know, cooked it to medium rare. Much further, it would not have been as good, but uh, a ton of meaty flavor. It's a close cousin to the tri-tip, which is right above it uh, on the sirloin, but this one of those weird things you just never really think or hear about, but obviously there's a market for it, and I'm glad I grabbed it. Can you find it at Giant Eagle or Kroger or whatever the, the grocery store is around you? Or do you have to go to Restaurant Depot to achieve this cut? I imagine like most things, if you ask, and of course you develop a relationship with a butcher. And even if you've got that local butcher shop, but anymore, even especially during this pandemic and stuff, the local guys never ran out of meat. Right. Their supply chains are so much different. And those are the guys that if you really want something and gals, if you want something different, ask them about it to get it. I mean, my local uh, Kroger butcher still takes care of me. You know, he cut off uh, uh, three pounds of fat off a of prime rib last week so I could save three dollars. Wow. And I love that kind of thing. Uh, but until you ask and strike up that relationship, you just you don't know. No doubt. Um, so you have a pretty socially open taco obsession. <laughs> I like tacos, but. I never really think to make them that often. Uh, I don't even know like when the mood strikes. Eventually, we'll have. I say if we have tacos five times a year, uh, we've probably really? had a good year of running tacos. Uh, I'm not a big. We don't really go to a lot of Mexican. So when if if we ever get to go back to a Mexican restaurant again, we'll do takeout mm. here and there. What I look for on the menu uh, is something called chori pollo or chori y pollo. But it's basically uh, chorizo sausage and mm. chicken. And there's uh, some kind of a cheese sauce involved, the beans and rice. Mm-hmm. And then you get the soft tortillas and you kind of mix it all together, slam it in the soft tortilla and, and away you go. That is like my all-time favorite Mexican dish. I don't know if that's just regionally available here or if you've ever seen it on a, a Mexican restaurant um, down where you're at. But yeah, I mean, we're just not huge uh, Mexican food. When we have tacos, I love tacos. It's almost like turkey. I wish I would think to eat it more, but I just don't. So uh, how did you get drawn in by the taco? You know, sadly, you know what? For me, it was a vehicle for leftovers. Uh, if I would cook right. a bunch of meat, yeah. you know, the tortilla is so amazing because it can hold and make a meal out of anything. It could be breakfast with eggs and hash brown and bacon. It could be lunch. It could be dinner. So I think originally for me, it was just simply a way I've got extra meat from grilling a, a flank steak or a skirt steak. What am I going to do with it? Uh, and then from there, of course, it's like, well, I like tacos a lot. So I'm going to do all sorts of different things with them from shrimp. Uh, you know, skirt steak is great with a, a chipotle marinade in the sous vide and then finished off in the grill for some texture. It's easy to make homemade uh, pickled red onions. Those go great on top. Some fresh cilantro if you're in the pro cilantro group. 
but you know, a small street taco or make it larger uh, into a, you know, you could make it turn into a quesadilla. It's limitless. And it can be different every single time. I mean, even if you're cheese agnostic, you know, it's got to have cheese, but you can still change it from a cotilla to um, a queso to simply cheddar cheese. It's just limitless. And I think it's easy, portable. And like I said, I can crush my leftovers that way. Are you a big elote fan? Mm, oh, yes. Yes. Love I it. do. You know, corn, not really not sure what sort of health <laughs> it provides. You know, you see it again. I don't know. Like, mayo, cojita. Yes, I mean, mayo and yes. some lemon juice and cilantro. It's got to oh, be healthy. It is. Oh, it's, <laughs> it's so good. It's got to be heart healthy. There's no doubt about it. Something that delicious can't so. be bad for you. Um, quickly I before like I let you go, uh, I know you're big into beer. You like to mix up some cocktails. I saw a mezcal margarita on your feed, and I have to ask yeah. you what's involved with that. And uh, now I'm not really partaking in alcohol here for almost three years, but I'm not too keen on mezcal. So where does that uh, fall into the? Is that like a tequila kind of a thing or a close cousin? What is it all about? Yeah, it is. I forget the actual saying. Essentially, mezcal can be made from any type of agave versus tequila is only made from blue agave. Uh-huh. Then the difference in the process is uh, mezcal then is, like, ferment is the right word. I'm not an expert on it. In uh, clay earthen pots surrounded by coals. So it imparts a very smoky flavor. So mm-hmm. ironically, you know, those of us love to grill. It makes sense. You might like Islay scotches because, again, very smoky because of the peat. No, or, or I mean, it's all right. Dude, they're gross. And, I mean, uh, those are the grossest. <laughs> My dad once uh, gave us a taste of Laphroaig. I almost vomited uh, yeah, on command. Right. The only other alcohol that has made me almost want to vomit on command is Jägermeister. I mean, Laphroaig was the worst stuff ever. No offense to Laphroaig, by the way. There's, I'm sure there's a lot of fans. When you can walk into a bar and smell a peaty scotch from across the way, you know you've arrived. <laughs> it's magic. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, I salute you, sir. Indeed. Uh, hot so, hot beer. similar. Hot beers in July. What do you like? You know, I, I really, I love sours. I know those kind of rub people the wrong way sometimes, but uh, a lower ABV, more sessionable, so you could easily put away a large number in a long afternoon and not get all half in the bag, huh. uh, but also a lot of flavor and not necessarily overly starchy tower. Okay, that makes sour, tarty sour. Um that they can bring a lot of flavor in a lighter way. So definitely if you see some experiment, there's some really good ones out there. Will you drink Coors Light or Bud Light or Budweiser? <laughs> Is that in your wheelhouse or do we look down at people? You know, I remember going to a Gibson Steakhouse once years ago Ooh. and somebody asked for a bottle of ketchup with their prime grade ribeye. <laughs> and I was like, I remember asking the waiter, I'm like, oh my God, I go, what do you do with that? And he was like, we don't judge however you want to enjoy your meat you enjoy your meat sure and i'm like you know what it's a pretty beautiful thing and it's the same way with beer i will drink whatever someone gives me whatever's in front of me it might not be my favorite but if we're going to share it together then cheers to you but meanwhile we are definitely talking shit about the guy who ordered ketchup in his prime rib there's no doubt about it 100 i still judge him a little bit no doubt about it. you can't not uh go ahead and make sure you're catching up with mike over at the website follow him on instagram at another point, please, and you can find him from time to time right here on the Barbecue Central Show. Mike, appreciate the time. Thanks so much for doing it. No, thanks for having me, Greg. Appreciate it, brother. You got it. There he is. That's Mike Lang from Another Pint, Please. And he is also in the field of public safety. On uh, Oh, dear. Did I close my... I did. Oh, no.
I closed my big logo. That wasn't supposed to happen at all. Now I got to go to oh, Bear with me just for one little minute. Oh, it's probably going to be longer than a little minute now that I think about it. Uh, where would this be? Oh, oh, boy. Let's go to desktop. Can I go to this desktop? Yes. Oh, there. Is this it? PNG file. Yes. Bring that up. There it is. Let me move it over. Sorry. It's rare that I close out of I must have hit that just in the right in the right way. Weird. All right. Uh, that was Mike Lang. Again, you can find him over at Another Pint, Please. I know all of you are judging the guy that put ketchup on his prime rib as well. I saw this one, too, when we were talking about taking pictures. Sean Ludwig, my fiance, hates that I take food pictures before we eat barbecue, but she knew that I was doing that all the time before she agreed to marry me. So you're right, Sean. She signed up for it. Jason Wallace loves a smoky mezcal. All right. Who do- I was going to say who doesn't. I don't know. I've never had one. All right, we have an open segment coming up, so if you want to jump in, 216-220-0966. You can also email the show in lieu, greg at the bbqcentralshow.com. But however you want to take it, we will run with it. Open segment, lots to get to. You are listening and watching the Barbecue Central show right here on the Barbecue Central Network. Stick around, we'll be right back. Rushmore of talk show entertainment. Now, let's get back to the Barbecue Central Show. Welcome back, and thanks again to Mike Lang for joining me last segment. This portion of the show being brought to you by CookinPellets.com, your number one source for quality wood pellets for all your pellet-driven cookers. You visit CookinPellets.com for more information or to purchase. You can also visit Amazon.com to purchase as well. However you see fit, you can do it. You can purchase from both. little from Amazon.com, little from CookinPellets.com, whatever you like. Here's what I'm getting a lot of as I throw it up here on the screen. I don't know if Greg has ever stepped foot in a real Mexican restaurant. Here's my question to those that are questioning my stepping-footedness into a real Mexican restaurant. What's a real Mexican restaurant? I only have access to what I have access to here in Cleveland. I am happy to say that we have a thriving Latino community. There are any number of what appear to me to be real Mexican restaurants. I have no reason to believe that the folks that own that are serving anything other than authentic Mexican cuisines 
And I don't know. Maybe I'm stuck. Maybe everybody. Maybe the joke's on me. Maybe I don't know what real great Mexican food is. But if it's only because of where I am located, one cannot hold that against me. One can only hope that someday I will be in an area where this real Mexican food exists and then I can have some. Why not? But right now, Chori Pollo is is like my favorite. It's so good. Grilled chicken, the chorizo together with the rice and the beans and the soft taco, roll it on up. I could eat 10, maybe 20 I could eat. It's really good. You try it. I mean, is that not on is that on a lot of staple? On every Mexican re- real Mexican restaurant menu under the pollo or uh, for those that uh, don't speak Spanish, chicken part of the menu. Doug Scheiding uh, weighs in with this beauty. I knew this was coming at some point. Didn't Greg have a problem differentiating between tacos and burritos with Sam the cooking guy? I I don't think there was any discussion. I think it was between burrito and chimichanga. I think. I know what a taco is. I know what a burrito is. And by the way, for as much as I'm lavishly praising the chicken and chorizo sausage dish, I'm just not a huge Mexican food fan. I mean, certainly I will eat it. It's few that I won't eat. There's few things that I won't eat. But I'll eat Mexican food. I I just don't go out of my way. I don't have a Mexican craving most of the time. Pizza, yes. Steak, always. Burgers, indefinitely. It's a burning desire. Constant burning desire. All right, so we are at the open segment here. Again, if you want to take part, 216-220-0966 or greg at com. If you need that contact information again and you're watching the show live right now, well, there it is right across the screen, email and phone. I will pick you up, and we can have discussions as you see fit. I have some folks to thank here. As you noticed, we were off for two weeks. One of the weeks was a planned outage, that being now two weeks ago, because on the 14th, is that right? 7th? The 7th was the last show. The 14th was a planned outage. The 14th was the actual physical move date from the Wycliffe house into the Willoughby house. And there was no way, uh, well, A, I didn't have internet service uh, set up at that point at the house, so it was going to be quite an extraordinary event to pull off anyway, and I had nothing set up. We could only bring over so much in advance. And it is uh, needed to be set up right. So I knew that the 14th was going to be no way. But over the course of that week leading into what would have been the 21st, started to get the space right and set some lights up and get the desk uh, going and putting all together the sound components. Got all of it in. This is on a Sunday. Fire, plugged everything into the back of the computer, plugged the computer in, fired it up, and then, boom. The light was on and literally nobody was home. So I shut it back down and fired it back up again. Same thing, graphic card lit up in the little window, which to me meant there was power, everything was fine. Nothing comes up. Monitor saying no signal. When the monitors are saying no signal, 
you know, that is not a great thing. So I tried many times hoping that it would be different every time, but it was the same every time. So I had to bring it to the computer guy. His name is Jeff Bish. So we give Jeff from Maverick Computer Solutions a shout out. And he quickly diagnosed the fact that uh, the whole computer was fried. And within a 28-hour time frame, he had me set up with a brand new computer, which I will take you on a tour of here in just a second, along with the space. Before we do that, we'll go to the phones. Area code 714. You're on the air. Go ahead. What's going on, Greg? Who's this? This is uh, Daniel A. Rodriguez from California. Dino Dan. I knew it. I could tell by the voice. <laughs> what can How I do? Doing? What can I do for you, pal? So yeah, I, I want to talk about something um, I've seen a trend of is right. these uh, custom steak uh, cook-off um, cookers. Are you talking uh, about the Hasty Bake mm, specifically? Because that's the one I'm seeing a lot of starting to sprout up. Yeah, the the Hasty Bake. Uh, I have one on order personally, but oh. also the M16 that uh, M Grills had just yep. put out. Yep, the ammo can. Yep. Um. And then, you know, we know PK has kind of been the the crown jewel of that area for a while. Sure. So I'm wondering if uh, these other companies, you know, if if it's if it's just a fad or is are they here to stay and are we going to see, you know, a ramp up into that area now that, you know, KCBS isn't so much uh, – rolling these days yeah no doubt about it dan thanks for the call and here's my thought on that i think you had i think this the steak cook-off association continues to gain popularity a lot of people see that being an easier point of entry into some type of competitive cooking there definitely is a more of a perceived barrier of entry getting into competition barbecue not only is there that uh, cost hurdle that a lot of people are having to deal with at this point? But there is also all of the other accoutrements that one either has to get or they feel like they have to get in order to be competitive because hobby is a hobby. And if you're doing it just because it's fun, that's one thing. But I think a lot of people started to get into competition barbecue because they wanted to be the best at it. They wanted to be the ones that were winning at it. And along with that goes a thought of, here's what I need to do or here's what I need to get in order for me to achieve these things. And that's perhaps where a lot of the popularity has started to roll back off of competition barbecue. Also, don't forget that competition barbecue isn't on the television anymore like it had been for years and years with various forms of barbecue pitmasters. So that TV show alone and having that longevity and having that FaceTime with the general public spawned and inspired a tremendous amount of folks to at least try their hand at it. Now, getting back to the question at hand as far as different competition steak grills entering into the market, I think it's a very specialized. I think they're trying to find a piece of equipment that's as portable as it gets, can give you an end product Without taking up a lot of footprint, it's obviously going to be charcoal-driven. I don't think any of these custom cookers are gas. Gas is not something that you're not allowed to use, but 
uh, by and large, uh, all the people that are winning are using uh, charcoal-fired cookers, whether it's the M-Grill or uh, a Weber Kettle, the PK. Uh, Hasty Bake is making a steak cook-off rig, and uh, the PK cooker, has, as uh, Dan had said, has been a long-touted steak cook-off grill. And then M-Grills has also really made a splurge into something that's very compact and easily transportable. So I don't think this is something where the majority of the general public is going to get into and want to be a part of. But I think uh, within that niche, uh, there could be one or two other manufacturers. But if, if something is out there and it's winning, that manufacturer is going to benefit the most from it. I mean, look at PK. Now, if this Hasty Bake starts to win, a lot of folks are probably going to start to go over and uh, get involved with that Hasty Bake. So we'll see how the trend goes and who's winning with what. Remember, just follow with what's winning, and that's where a lot of the popular buying is going to take place. Thanks for the call, Dan. So I wanted to give thanks to Jeff Bish from Maverick for getting me the computer. Also, I want to give a tremendous amount of thanks to a dynamic human being, perhaps one of the best humans on the face of the earth, a lot of you, uh, most of you, perhaps all of you don't know him, except uh, maybe for Teresa because she borned him. Dominic Galliota, electrician extraordinaire. I came down to this basement. There was one outlet. He ran any number of outlets, took the time to listen to my needs, put stuff on the floor. In essence, allowed me to alleviate five multi-strips that I had been running for years in the old house. He put. Two, uh, two boxes with four, eight, so eight, uh, eight total outlets. And I have everything plugged into there. In fact, let's go ahead right now. Uh, if you're wondering what it looks like from behind the scenes, I got a camera right here. This is how it looks like when I'm doing the show. So in case you ever wondered what I'm staring at or constantly looking at otherwise when you see this shot, because I'm always not looking at the camera, uh, I have a number of things here. We got the the... A chat going. I have my outline here, video production here, audio only streams going. I'm also recording the show here. We got the sound effects right there, and then my audio mixer here. Now, I'm trying to figure out if I can actually go around and show you some of this stuff as I pick it up. I'm going to go to the confidence monitor. You know what? This is going to be terrible because I don't have a, don't have a mic. Hold on a second. Maybe I do have a mic. Let's see if this is going to work. I'm going to the headset microphone here. Oh, that sounds all right. Now, let's go here. So, uh, quickly taking a look here. Again, you know, that's the microphone. These are all the screens that we have running. That's your sound effects board right there. That's the digital mixer right there. Then apologize here if I'm uh, making anybody seasick. Uh, this is a confidence monitor right here for the guests to be looking at. And then, uh, good night. Sorry. Here is the brand new uh, gaming computer that is humming along here. It's so super quiet. It actually has. Uh, LED lights in it because I think uh, gamers like that. But let me point out that uh, here specifically is the uh, the gang boxes that Dominic installed. But before I had uh, 
multi-jacks running all the way out here. Now I'm nice and tight right here. It's uh, solidly anchored into the ground. And he ran the uh, plug right here and ran all this great stuff, put up all these lights here, put up a plug right there for the light. Oh, you can't really see that because the light's drowning it out. But, I mean, this guy is an absolute magician as it relates to the uh, electronics of stuff. So, uh, once again, that's the rig set up right now. And uh, the guest would, uh, if I had a guest, would be kind of sitting where I'm at now. i got to bring in a desk yet and uh, stand by as I reset this camera. Okay. Okay. And that looks about right. All right, let me uh, get out of this headphone and into something else. Getting back to the real microphone here. All right, there we go. We did it. So that's how that looks. And then uh, this was the other shot for like a guest here. So they would be looking. There's a camera on top of that confidence monitor that I was just talking about. That's it. Lots of bare wall at the moment. Aside from this fake brick background. Oh, my cords are all over the damn wire. I'll have to fix that here. And by the way, as we running right now, I mean, I'm at, I'm at 12% CPU. I mean, for the last number of months on the old rig, I was running at 99 and 100% during the show, especially in call. It was tragic. Also, I want to thank Haniel Trisna, official sound guy of the Barbecue Central show, for helping me reset the board. These are quality human beings that somehow I have made relationships with, and they are helping me out. What can I tell you? Dominic Haniel, thank you so much. As we are now under the Tower of Power 3 era. Tower of Power 3. All right, let me talk to you quickly about Big Papa Smokers before we wrap up the first hour. A curated selection of only the best outdoor cooking and grilling supplies will get you on the path to better barbecue results in no time. Everything at BigPapaSmokers.com has been Pitmaster approved by Sterling Big Papa Ball himself. From award-winning rubs and sauces to the American-made grills and smokers, they got 13 perfectly balanced flavors of rubs and seasonings for you to choose from. Sweet Money, Cattle Prod, Cash Cow, all proven winners on the competition circuit and in the backyard. If you're looking for a sauce, you might want to try the Granny's Barbecue Sauce. It's great on its own. It's also great as a base sauce that you can tweak. Also, they have a great selection of cookers. If you're looking for a versatile smoker that's easy to use, check out the Mac 2 Star General Pellet. Big Papa Smokers, the exclusive Mac dealer, even offering special packages. Not a fan of pellet smokers? All right, take a look at the Old Hickory Ace BP. It's the only charcoal smoker that Big Papa trusts on his competition trailer. If you're a backyard barbecue enthusiasts they have plenty to look at it's not just competition stuff it's clear that big papa smokers is the place to go for all things barbecue every product featured on their website hand selected to help you barbecue better any questions give them a call at 877-828-0727 that's 877-828-0727 or shop their website at bigpapasmokers.com that's b-i-g-p-o-p-p-a 
smokers.com. All right, we are back to wrap the first hour. Stick around. We'll be right back. incredibly mediocre content in an exceptionally professional way. You're listening and watching the Barbecue Central Show. Once again, here's your host, Craig Rampey. And this portion of the show being brought to you by Fireboard. Monitor up to six different devices simultaneously. Connect to Wi-Fi for cloud-based monitoring or connect via Bluetooth. If you have Alexa or Google Assistant at home, you're in luck because Fireboard fully integrated with both. Both Fireboard 1 and 2, by the way. Find out more by visiting fireboard.com or call 816-945-2232. In fact, uh, former sponsor of the show, Grill Seeker, did a great review of Fireboard 2. So if you want an unbiased review of Fireboard 2, go to Grill Seeker and check out that review. A trusted source review, I might add. All right, so uh, let me uh, get back to thanking a few folks. So, again, we thank Dominic Galliotto. We thank Haniel Trisna. We thank Jeff Bish, computer, electrician, sound guy. Also, I do want to thank the show sponsors for being very patient as we took an unforeseen two-week break. First week planned. Second week, computer blows up. So we get everything reset. Let me give you this piece of advice that was given to me after the fact. If you have a computer set up the way you want it now, uh, Google how to make an image of your drive so you can restore very quickly and very painlessly. While that info has been given to me a little late, as I've set up the Tower of Power 3 the way that I want it now, and the good news is this. There was a lot of stuff that was on Tower of Power 2 the drives were okay, so we yanked the drives, put them in the new one. All the certain motherboard, CPU, all the wiring, fried. Like, it was literally brown and popped. The back exhaust fan totally seized up, totally froze. It was great. But make an image of your drive right now, and if you go through an instance that I have gone through, you have a painless restore with the new one. Just a little piece of advice. So I think in the next week, I'll have the computer exactly how I want it. Then I will go ahead and make an image. I actually have some instructions on how to do that. So if you don't want to go through and Google it, email me, subject line, put uh, image for my drive or something like that. And I'll send you the link that was forwarded to me by uh, show technician, John Doss. John, shout out. What up in the hinterland, my friend? Hope you're doing well. Staying safe. All right, in the second hour, you will find the Embedded Correspondence segment. We love that. We'll talk about a lot of stuff. And your phone calls and emails if you want to jump in. Dino Dan jumped in. Dino Dan breaking the mold. Very few people find the nerve to call in 
and get loose. But Dan did. We'll be back right after this.